Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. What if my eggs don't fertilize? Okay, this, so when you go through an IVF cycle, um, obviously one of the major parts of it is the collection of eggs. On the day that the eggs are collected, they will be fertilized uh, with your partner's sperm or the donor sperm. And the scientists the next morning will check whether fertilization has occurred. In most cases, uh, fertilization will occur in about 60 to 70% of eggs collected. So if you've got 10 eggs collected, um, it's likely that six or seven of them will fertilize. Uh, there is, however, a wide range, and it may be that 10 out of 10 fertilize, or it may be, and it happens in about one in 100 to one in 200 cases, no fertilization occurs. It's an in, a very disappointing situation because obviously you've been through all the injections you've been through the procedure to collect the eggs the sperm's been put with the eggs and nothing has happened why does that happen why why might this happen well uh, obviously to get fertilization in a standard IVF process which basically involves putting 50,000 sperm with each egg uh, and letting nature actually then deal with it so the sperm has to one sperm has to attach itself to the egg, go through the outer membrane of the egg to produce fertilization. And when that is not possible, when the sperm doesn't bind to the, the uh, egg and it doesn't enter the egg, then we're not going to get fertilization. That situation is very, very rare, um, but um, it can be due to a sperm problem or it may be, in fact, an egg problem as well. We don't really understand it. That's doing it naturally, allowing that fertilization process to occur naturally. But um, the alternative and what we would be doing in a subsequent cycle would be called ICSI, where we put, we make sure fertilization occurs in that we put a sperm specifically inside the egg. And in that scenario, instead of being one in a hundred chance of failed fertilization, it's more like one in three or four hundred. It still doesn't guarantee fertilization because it may still be that the sperm was bad sperm, but it certainly reduces that risk. And that's why some people, um, some of my colleagues, uh, regularly do where on I, when they're doing an IVF cycle is to split half the eggs to ICSI, that sperm injection technique, and half of the eggs uh, to allow nature to do what it needs to do. And that can give us uh, more information, but it also may, in some situations, avoid the risk of failed uh, fertilization of any eggs whatsoever. But it is ICSI is more invasive. It can damage eggs. 
Um, and so we generally try and avoid it if we can. But you know, there are situations where it is worth doing. From my experience, if you've had failed fertilisation in one cycle, it's quite common in the next cycle when we do ICSI to uh, actually end up with embryos. So don't lose heart that you've had one failed uh, fertilisation uh, process. It's not a common problem. Um, it's something we can do something about. Um, and, for instance, uh, another manoeuvre that, that I often do in, when we have failed fertilisation is to lengthen the time between the trigger injection and the egg collection, just in case it was immaturity of the eggs that caused the problem. So, yeah, it's something that we've got to deal with. We do get into situations where, despite all the best efforts, we still can't get eggs to fertilise. Um, there's something called um, in uh, in vitro uh, activation um, of the of the egg and the sperm. Um, science is moving forward in that area, that area, but it's not um, particularly well proven yet. I hope that answers the question. So, Prof, we have another question. Do I need an intracytoplasmic sperm injection? You may have already addressed that. Around the world, um, the use of the sperm injection technique varies a lot. There are some countries where almost 100% um, of uh, cycles use ICSI, um, and there are other countries... Um, I mean, Australia runs at about 60%, and there are some countries where it's as low as 35%. ICSI was originally designed for men with poor sperm because we know when the, the, the sperm numbers are low, the chances of IVF working in the natural way, like putting sperm and egg together, um, is much, much lower. So ICSI was used to as a means to get that single sperm into an egg when the male had very low sperm counts. That's where it started. Subsequently, it's become much more widespread in its use. The major um, proponents of ICSI would say that it's, it's good to do because uh, you avoid failed fertilisation. But failed fertilisation only occurs in one, maybe 2% at most of cycles. So to do it routinely for that small gain is debatable. And ICSI um, is, carries with it some risks to the egg because it's a traumatic procedure. You're sticking a needle through the uh, membranes of the, of the egg and in the process of that, you may actually damage the egg. So you know, there are tiny risks associated with it. You're also, in a sense, defying nature because nature works out uh, in a normal fertilisation situation which sperm is the best sperm to fertilise that egg, whereas we're relying on the scientist looking down the microscope to say, this is the best sperm, this is the, the nice, tall, dark, handsome, swimming sperm, and I'll choose that one to fertilise this egg. And it may not necessarily um, be the best sperm. We don't, looking at them in that way is not totally definitive. But um, what ICSI has done is meant that many men who in the, two decades ago had to go to donor sperm to produce a baby because of their low sperm count um, can now uh, have the same chances of success as a man with normal sperm so it certainly has its place but there's still debate on how much it should be used and how little it should be used 
And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.